Hey everyone, welcome to the Compass Church Podcast. My name is Jake, I'm our campus pastor at our Three Rivers location, and I wanna welcome you to the final week of our sermon series called The Table. We've been studying the importance of relational evangelism, talking to people about Jesus who might not yet know him. We're gonna join back into that conversation by hearing from our senior pastor, Jeff Griffin. So are you ready? Let's jump in. shirt. Can't you see me in that? Friends, I'd like to welcome you to the clothing closet. We have a whole suite of ministries called the Care Center at our Bolingbrook campus. And this clothing closet is where we as a church provide free clothing to those in need. Specializing in immigrants. You know, when folks first move here, they usually have only the clothes on their back. And what a, it's just a fun ministry of love to those in need. It reminds me of the story of a a lady. I just did her funeral a couple weeks ago. A woman in our church named Helga Holtz, a German who in fact was born in a little town on the east side of Germany. She was born one year before World War II began. And so the poor little girl, all she knew was war. Her dad was uh, drafted into the German army, and so she saw him only sporadically when she was young. And then when she was six years old, her dad was killed in battle. And then at seven years old, the Russian army was attacking her little town with bombing. So she and her mom had to go down into the cellar under some building where she lived for three months in the pitch dark, trying to survive on the small rations of food and water they had. Well, the Russians bombed, destroyed, conquered that city, and essentially the German side of the war ended. So she comes out of the cellar and sees her beloved little town just devastated in rubble with dead bodies everywhere, something a seven-year-old girl should never have to see. I was imagining that things would be improved now that the war was over, but the aftermath in Germany was terrifying. Their house had been utterly destroyed, so she and her mom just looked for partially existing homes to find a corner to sleep in on the floor. She was homeless for a time until they moved west. In western Germany, they found this housing, government-supplied housing in barracks, you know, big rooms with 100 people per room, sleeping in bunk beds. And she was in this refugee housing for years until she was 14 years old when Helga and her mom had this unexpected opportunity to immigrate to the United States, which they jumped on the boat to take advantage of. As exciting as that was, it was also terrifying. Can you imagine you're a high school-aged girl arriving in the U.S., you know, wearing tattered clothes and disheveled hair, not knowing a word of English, and you're gonna be pushed into the public high school system here? Well, it turns out in her first week in the U.S., a woman by the name of Mrs. Westbrook was a Christ follower and saw this 14-year-old girl. Her heart was moved with, with compassion, and Mrs. Westbrook took little Helga shopping. 
said, let me get you some clothes and bought for her stylish, or at least stylish in those days in America. And she felt so much better wearing these clothes. And then Mrs. Westbrook said, let's go to the beauty salon. And she had her hair done beautifully. Touches of love that helped her in a vulnerable moment profoundly. In fact, this Mrs. Westbrook invited little Helga to attend the youth ministry at her church. Helga went with enthusiasm and within the first year in the U.S., she heard the gospel and trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Friends, do you see the, the power of the truth of the gospel matched with the love of Christ? This is what we're going to learn today about the power of love in relational evangelism. And we're learning from Jesus Christ. This whole series has been a study of Jesus having meals with people. And you talk about a meal. Today we're studying when Jesus fed the multitude, provided lunch for thousands. Turns out that this miracle is the only that's recorded in all four Gospels. It must be really important. It's also recorded six times altogether, meaning this miracle is recorded twice in Matthew and twice in Mark. You say, why twice? Well, it turns out they were not the same event. It was Jesus doing the same miracle in different locations. One is called the feeding of the 5,000, the other the feeding of the 4,000. Well, I've always been puzzled by why, why, Lord, did you do it twice? Why, God, did you record it in the scripture twice when they're so similar? Turns out there's good reason. Let me get into that. So the miracle of feeding the 5,000 was in a town on the north end of the Sea of Galilee called Bethsaida, a Jewish town. The feeding of the 4,000 was down on the south end of the Sea of Galilee in a region called the Decapolis, which is a Gentile region. And we start to go, oh, maybe it's about Jews and Gentiles. Yes, and that point is reinforced when Christ in Mark 8 had a conversation with his disciples about the difference in the two miracles. Jesus asked them, guys, do you remember how many baskets of food were left over? You see, uh, in this miracle, what Jesus did was he took the bread and the fish, just a little bit of food, and he would break it and break it and break it and break it and miraculously multiplied it so that thousands were fed. So much so that leftovers, baskets of leftovers existed. Well, the disciples asked, said, hey, up in the north where we ministered to the Jews, I think we had 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus goes, you're right. How about in the south? There we ministered to the Gentiles. It was seven baskets of leftovers. Jesus said, you're right. And Christ says, do you get it? You know, to us, we're still going, no. But to they who understood the symbolic meaning of these two numbers, they knew exactly what Christ was talking about. Twelve for the Jews. Yes, there are 12 tribes of Jewish people living in the land. Seven for the Gentiles. Yes, the scriptures talk about the seven tribes of Gentiles or the seven kingdoms of Gentiles. I'll tell you what they are. They're listed a number of times. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And Jesus said, hey, now you get it, don't you? The message is clear. 
this great miracle of love was for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Jesus loves the whole world. His love for the whole world is proclaimed in this meal we're going to study. So let's dive in, shall we? And learn how to love people far from God through the example of Jesus Christ. We've reminded you a few times, and I want to take the time to do it once more, about our Pearl resources page. If you go to thecompass.net slash pearl, you'll find all sorts of videos and resources to help you as you are talking to your friends about Jesus. There's videos to help you present the gospel in unique and compelling ways. Even cards available for you to help realize who God has put in your life that might need to hear the good news of Jesus. Again, at any point, go to thecompass.net slash pearl. Let's join back in with our senior pastor, Jeff, as we reach the conclusion of our message together. All right, all my online friends, let's talk about when Jesus fed the multitude, shall we? You know, I struggle with getting excited about this meal because Jesus fed fish and bread, and I'm not a big fan of fish. I know I should be. But I do enjoy a good filet fish now and then. And so I'm going to put this here. You know, Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish. And so to get me enthused and to remind you of what meal we're studying, let's, let's put the filet fish right there, shall we? All right. So we're going to be talking about the importance of loving those who are far from the Lord as part of our relational evangelism. And do you recall that that's found right in Pearl? Let's just put it up there again. Pray for them. Eat with them. Ask questions. Reveal your story. And then love. Love them tangibly. Jesus said, my followers should be known by their love. And Jesus showed the love on this day with the multitudes. I should speak to the crowds. It turns out that Jesus' popularity was growing so fast that thousands were pressing in to hear him teach. And Jesus at times would take them on a retreat, if you will, to a remote location where the people would camp overnight in order to hear him one day and the next day. Well, in this occasion, there seems to be an unexpected revival of sorts because the people have been there now for three days and their food supply has run out. Here's what Christ says. Matthew 15, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. This is a very telling statement. It tells us about Jesus, his heart. And I want to uh, draw from it uh, this first passage here in Matthew 15. I want to draw three steps to really loving people well. And the first is care. You got to care about them. Did you notice Christ says to the disciples, I have compassion for these people. I love these people. Christ genuinely cares about these people, most of whom are far from God. Uh, friends, do you care? <laughs> you, you may decide, I'm going to act lovingly 
towards these pearls in my life, these people who are far from God. It's not enough to act lovingly. You got to really care. It's got to be from the heart. And you may say, well, how do I grow in caring, really loving people who are far from God? I'll just give you a couple ideas. For one, pray for the love. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Did you ever ask God, say, God, give me your heart towards this neighbor of mine or this coworker of mine. I know you love them. Help me feel what you feel when you see them. That's an amazing prayer. When you ask for God to bring his love for this person, he'll do that. Another thing you can do is not only pray for the love, pray for them. Remember in the pearl, the first one was pray for them. There's something powerful about praying for someone's salvation. The more regularly you cry out for someone to come to know the Lord through Christ, your compassion for them will grow even in the praying. And so by praying for love and by praying for your friend, you can find through prayer your love, your genuine empathy, compassion for them growing. It grew in Jesus. He cared about them. The second point is notice Care, notice. Notice means notice the needs in their lives. Are you observant about what they're going through? Jesus was. Let let, let me highlight where he says, uh, they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they could collapse on the way. Christ is observant. He's like, you know, this retreat has turned out to be longer than they anticipated and so the food they brought for most of them at least has run out they these people are genuinely hungry i could send them off but if i do it's a long journey home and they in the walking without food they could pass out christ is thoughtful about their situation he's noticing the dilemma do you do notice You know, if you will, the first care is about the heart. Notice it is about the eyes. Are you observant? Your friend, do you see the needs, the struggles in their lives? If you see the need, that will pave a way for you to tangibly love them. Sometimes we're so self-consumed that we don't even notice the trials, the hardship, the struggles that our friends are going through. Jesus noticed And then thirdly is consider. Consider ways to love them. So if you will, uh, the the first care, care is about the heart. Notice is about the eyes. Consider is using your brain to think about, get creative. What are some tangible forms of love we could show? Here's what happens with Jesus, Uh, you know, he's expressed this great concern and the disciples respond in verse 33. His disciples said, hey, uh, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Jesus, it's great that you're compassionate and all worried about them, but look where we're at. There's not exactly a convenience store next door. We don't have a solution. They're ready to give up on any tangible way to love them. But Jesus is not. Christ is going to start brainstorming about what can be done. Verse 34, how many uh, loaves of bread do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. Oh, and a a few small fish. 
verse 35. Jesus told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Christ is like, what do we got? Oh, we got a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And Jesus is like, I got an idea. Everybody needs to sit down. Get ready to eat. Christ is brainstorming, and he's come up with a plan. Well, what is it? Let's see. Verse 36. Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. He just starts tearing it, breaking it, and breaking it, and breaking it, and breaking it. And they, in turn, the disciples, that is, they gave it to the people. And verse 37 they all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. What a miracle. Just kept breaking and breaking and breaking and breaking and miraculously the food was multiplied. Jesus came up with an idea when the disciples thought there were no ideas. You know, how creative are you? How much time do you spend thinking about how could I love my friend? I'm just going to sit down and devote five minutes to creative brainstorming on how to love my friend. So many of us never do this step. And yet, if we'll think creatively, there are opportunities that wouldn't have been noticed at first glance. But upon reflection, consideration, yeah, you'll come up with them. You know, I, I heard an example of this just last week at church. A friend came up to me and says, Jeff, I got to share with you what I did this summer. He said, I was looking at my neighbors just saying, Lord, how can I tangibly love them? And he said, I noticed some of the neighborhood kids just seem bored. They're kind of sitting out in front with nothing to do. And he thought, you know, I could love them by providing Fun. And he had an idea, and that was a block party. He got online, looked up his city, and found out, yeah, you can have a block party where you arrange to have the street blocked off. And then he started looking for what the kids could do. We found bouncy houses. He goes, oh, that's fun. He found that the fire department will bring a fire truck free of charge just for the kids to climb on and explore. He goes, let's do that. And he, my friend, he's a fan of pickleball. And so he said, if the street's going to be blocked off, I'll borrow from church, the Compass Church, our pickleball equipment and set up a pickleball court right there in the streets. He said to his wife, you make the best ribs in the world. Let's make ribs. He said, Jeff, we had so much fun. Kids young and old, people young and old. He goes, they all came and we just had a blast loving on our neighbors. He said, it's taken our relationship with them to a whole new level. And friends, that, what, see what happened there? He, he started thinking, what could I do? What could I do? And if we'll brainstorm, the Spirit of God can guide in exciting ways. Now, it's not good enough to love, but the love can trigger conversations on spiritual matters. That's what happened here. In fact, in John chapter 6, one of the feedings, the miraculous feedings, was at the beginning of John 6, but at the end of John 6 is a conversation that ensued all because of this gesture of love and the feeding. Let me, let me show you uh, what happened. Uh, different topics ensue. One of them that we can talk about is the love of God. 
Let me, let me show you. So what happened is they started discussing, that is the people who ate the food, they started discussing with Jesus how they're like, probably trying to impress him with their biblical knowledge. They're like, Lord, Jesus, you're just like Moses. Remember in the Old Testament, Moses provided manna from heaven and you provided bread for us too. Manna was like a bread substance. And Jesus says, I see the connection, but he corrects them. I'm looking here at John 6, 32. Jesus says, you know, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Do you see what's going on there? He's saying, listen, uh, Moses, yeah, was used by God to bring the bread. But really, you understand it was the love, a gift of love from God. And so it is with us. You know, when we love someone, we're really loving them with the love of God. And so when they ask you, why do you do this? Why are you being so kind, so generous? We can say, well, you know, to be honest with you, I really feel, I know this might sound strange, but I have this undeniable sense that God wanted me to love you. If you will, the idea was God's. And, and the, your friend in that moment is realizing that, wow, this love I'm receiving from my friend might actually be God loving me through them. The topic of the love of God, how much God loves them, it becomes more believable when they've tasted the love from you. And so friends, yes, look for a chance to talk about how much God loves them and that you loving them was really his idea. Here's another topic Jesus talked about. And that is the point of life. The first was the love of God. Next, the point of life. In verse 26, Jesus replied, You want to be with me because I fed you. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food, but spend your energy seeking eternal life. In other words, Jesus is like, yeah, free food is great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But Christ says there's things that are so much more important than a free meal, like eternal life. Are you right with God? Are you going to heaven when you die? Do you see this? Jesus is prioritizing their needs and saying, yeah, we have physical needs, but we have spiritual needs, and that's even more important. And Christ had credibility to speak on spiritual needs now because he had met their physical needs. And so it is with us that when we've shown love to people, when we then turn the conversation to uh, spiritual topics, we have a certain credibility. They're interested in what we have to say about spiritual things because we've shown them kindness. Love brings credibility. And so talk about the point of life. Help them understand that, you know what? Trying to get physical needs met, yeah, that's great. But what is the reason we're here? It's to find God. Relationship, reconciliation with him and life eternal. Turn the conversation to that topic. And then the third discussion Jesus has, what do we got? The love of God, talk about that. The point of life, getting right with God. And then the third is the gospel of Jesus. The word gospel means good news. It's the good news of how we can get right with God through Christ. Look what happens. Uh, verse 33, uh, Jesus says, The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven 
and gives life to the world. Do you get what he's talking about? Let me highlight the one who comes down from heaven. This is the bread of the highest order. Who is the one who comes down from heaven? That's Christ himself. He's speaking of the incarnation, that he is from heaven, but that he came to earth. And then when it says the one who comes from heaven and gives life to the world, let's highlight gives life to the world. His mission is to give life. In what sense? You might say they're already alive. Oh, are they? You see, Jesus is saying that I have come to bring life of another kind, both in quantity and quality. There's life beyond what people normally have. When I say quantity, I mean more of it, eternal life, life after death, life in paradise, in heaven with God when we die. But also quality, quantity, heaven, quality here and now. Jesus is saying, when you know God, when you've been reconciled to God and experience his love, it's life that makes your previous years look like a joke in comparison. Christ says, I have come to bring you life. But now here, the people say, okay, verse 34, sir, they say, uh, give us that bread, this bread that brings life. And then Jesus clarified in verse 35. Jesus said, guys, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I'm talking about me. I'm the solution. I'm the good news. I'm the gospel. And Christ says, come to me. We don't come to him by moving geographically. We come to him through prayer. We can come to Jesus in prayer. And then he says, what? Believe in me. Let's highlight that. To believe in Christ, this is important that we not misunderstand. It doesn't mean I believe Jesus was a historical person. No, Satan believes that. That's not good enough. To believe in Christ is faith. It's trusting in him. It's clinging to him. It's leaning on him. Regarding what? Well, your past and your future. Trusting Jesus with your past and your future. When I say your past, I mean your past sins you got to say, Jesus, I'm trusting you to deal with all the junk in my past, all my sin. I'm trusting you, we say, as my Savior. I'm trusting you as the Savior of my life because i got a lot of sin needing forgiveness. And Christ died on the cross for that sin, and when we trust in him, he forgives us and washes it away. But I mentioned trusting him not only with the past but also the future. When you trust Jesus with your future, that means Lead on, Lord. The days ahead are in your hands. Take my life. You're my Lord. Remember, we talk about trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord means leading me in the future. Savior means I'm trusting you to be the forgiver of my past sin. And in those ways, that's how you trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. Believe in me. That's what Christ is getting at. Friends, uh, these spiritual conversations that result from love can change people's eternity. Let me close with a story. Some years ago, I was driving a car, my car on the road, and I passed a car, pulled over on the side, hood up, and as I passed, I noticed, oh, kids in the back, looks to be mom looking under the hood, and I felt bad. And then I felt the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't nudge. He shouts, turn around, Griffin. 
go help. And so I did. I, I drove around, uh, did a UE, and I came up and I said, hey, can I help you? And she got so excited. She said, yes, thank you for coming. She said, I got issues with my car. She says, I think it's the carburetor. She said, but honestly, I don't know anything about carburetors. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know what a carburetor is. And she's like, oh, she said, I assumed when you asked if you could help, you had knowledge about cars. I'm like, uh-uh. I could give you a ride. <laughs> and she said, that would be great. My husband's out of town. I called my dad, and he's not answering. And so, yes. She said, my father lives just around the corner. Could you drive me and the kids to my dad's house? And I did. I gave him a ride. And when I dropped him off, I met her dad, who was so thankful, more than she was, you see, if you really want to befriend a man, be good to his princess. And that's what I had done. And he is like, thank you for saving the day. And wouldn't you know, a little friendship with that dad began. I invited him into my small group, my men's small group, where he met other guys who loved with a love from another kingdom. And eventually he placed faith in Christ, led his wife to Christ, both his daughters to Christ, his son-in-law to Christ, his two grandchildren to Christ, seven people in all. They came to faith and it all started with a simple act of love. God showed me this works. Friend, may we get busy doing uh, all of this table Ministry, showing the love to people far from God as we've learned from Jesus. Get busy now, because I mentioned last week that we have a series coming in February called He Gets Us. It's going to be designed for your friends. So if you love on them now, prioritize those friendships. You can invite them in February to He Gets Us. We're going to be looking at Jesus. He gets us. His, his love and understanding is so where we're at. I have uh, six weeks, uh, in fact, they're entitled, Jesus Understands Our Insecurity. Jesus Understands Our Exhaustion, <laughs> Our Anxiety, Our Guilt, Our Grief, and Our Dissatisfaction. It's so tangible where you and your friends are at. So let's start faithfully following the Lord's Example as we've learned in the table. And then in three months, we're going to have fun and he gets us. All right, I'd like to close in prayer. And since I've talked about the gospel, about trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to provide another opportunity for anyone who wants to get right with God through Christ to do so in this closing prayer right now. Lord, we thank you for the clarity that Jesus brought, that he came to save the day, that he's the bread of life. And right now we're turning to him, your solution, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we got sins of the past. Would you be our forgiver, our savior? Forgive us of all that sin. And then we want to trust you regarding our future. Would you be our leader, our Lord? In the days ahead, we're holding your hand. Lead on. Make our broken lives beautiful. We're so grateful for this chance to be reconciled with our God, both now and for all eternity. We're in with you, Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to give you a heads up of what to expect next week. 
we are going to be talking about the villain of Christmas. Now, you might be wondering, who is the villain of Christmas? Is it the Grinch? Is it Hans Gruber, the bad guy in the best Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard? Well, you're going to find out next week that it's actually King Herod. And before you go, thank you for joining us and thank you for filling out that online connection card. Go to thecompass.net slash connection card to let us know you've been here and how we can be praying for you over the course of this week. And lastly, thank you to all of you who partner with us financially. If you want to join in in helping people find and follow God here at the Compass Church and beyond, go to thecompass.net slash give. We'll see you back here next week at the Compass Church Podcast.